0: Here's the biggest thing that's going on in in Bismarck, that that nobody really watches the legislative session having served in it for 14 years. What you'd find out when you got home is just this whirlwind of activity and, oh, my goodness, and you go home and you'd hold an open forum back home and there'd be 10 people show up or 15 people show up. Uh, Sometimes 30, 40, 50 people show up, which, quite frankly, I like better. But the truth of the matter is, with that anonymity, you get to pull a lot of crap. But every now and then, the eye of the public gets placed on you in ways that you don't want it placed upon you. I mean, seriously, it, we're sitting here in North Dakota desperately uh, looking for workers. We don't have workers. Desperately looking for people to take us into that, that next level of what we can economically. And instead, where do we sit? We sit in a place where in the New York Times there was a guest essay written by Taylor Barby. Now Taylor is the author of Boys and Oil, growing up gay in a fractured land. Now this is a, a a young man who's willing to sit there, put pen to paper or fingers to a keyboard, and tell the truth, and just tell the truth. And and what he took on in this guest editorial, and what what got the the light of the nation shined upon it, was the fact that North Dakota wants to ban books. I mean that's it. I want, I want to get Taylor on with us. I, w- I want to visit with him. Taylor, thank you. Thanks for agreeing to come on News and Views. Thanks so much for having me, Joel. What made you decide to do this, to talk about your, your home state this way?
1: Well, I want North Dakota to be a place where children, middle school age children, high schoolers, all North Dakotans have access to materials in libraries that can make them comfortable, can make them uncomfortable. Um, the censorship of libraries, as you know, Joel, history proves that when books are censored, bad things are afoot.
0: Well, you, you go very explicitly into the details here. And and, and then you, you correlate that to things that are everyday part of our life. You, some beautiful art, for example. Um, but, but describe to people what you wrote in regards to how important the library was to you growing up?
1: Well, the library was such a safe haven for me. It's a place where I could encounter stories of people who were different or similar to me. It's where I got exposed to the world's great art. Since North Dakota does not have things like the Metropolitan Gallery of the muse- or the Museum of Modern Art, I could go to books or find resources online that could take me anywhere. I could go back to ancient Greece. I could read uh, Toni Morrison's novels and, and learn about the horrors of slavery. I could encounter stories of people who were similar to me, who grew up in rural areas. I mean, libraries for me have been and still are sanctuaries.
0: So let me play a little devil's advocate with you then. Uh, some of the things you mentioned, they're not trying to pull out of the libraries. They're not trying to stop. What they're trying to stop is pornography. What they're trying to stop is nudity. What they're trying to stop is conversations that shouldn't be had with children of certain age. What's your answer to that?
1: I mean, there is no library in North Dakota, Joel, that has pornography. Libraries are stewards of age-appropriate material. And I'm just sitting here thinking about parents who've unleashed the Internet or smartphones on their children. They should be more worried about what they have done than what, for instance, the Mandan Public Library has. It's just simply not true. No library is peddling in pornographic material in North Dakota. I would just add on to that if people would read these bills particularly the state Senate, you would realize that these bills are written by people who don't know how to use the English language. I mean, for instance, they use the word turgid, um, which is usually applied to water, which means swollen or congested. But they describe male genitalia in a turgid state rather than saying an erect state is actually what they mean to say, So, I mean, the uh, validity of these bills by the people who've written them, it just, it proves to me that these were whipped up in a quick and slapdash sort of way.
0: Taylor, what do you say to the people that would say you just made them uncomfortable by talking about a male penis in an erectile state?
1: Who said that me talking about that is supposed to make a person comfortable? I think that's a different conversation, Joel, than what we're saying about what a library has. Now but, that, we're but that's
0: talking- that's the point I'm trying to make, right? I mean, it's a conversation. We're, we're talking about life. We're ta- I mean, you go on in here, and and what you point out so well, that and it isn't being pointed out is you point out the very details of the bills, and and how this this far right wing thinks when it comes to. Issues like this. I mean, let's be honest, Taylor. Some of what you've wrote here would make certain people uncomfortable. But number one, they don't got to read the book. Number two, everything you wrote here is in the legislation.
1: What I would say about that is a person's individual standards do not mean that they have the freedom to infringe upon what I need access to in a library. I mean, we're seeing in the, in the state bill, which is far more reaching, they define things as, um, you know, when they're talking about obscene material or obscene performance, which we can surmise they're largely referencing what we would call drag performances here, though they don't have the backbone to write that in. They say under Section 1.5, subsection A, taken as a whole, the average person applying contemporary North Dakota standards would find predominantly appeals to a prurient interest. That means overly sexually obsessed. But, Joel, we're talking about a state, you know this as well as I do, where everyone at a Lutheran potluck eats a cake called better than sex cake. We don't even talk about sex in North Dakota, how it works what it is, why we might be interested in it. And so, as we know, people go to the library to learn things, to learn things about the human condition, to learn about genocide, to learn about slavery, to learn about how our bodies work, to learn about people in Papua New Guinea, for instance. And this is all about censorship and control It's not about protecting anyone. It's about whipping up a political base.
0: In your research on this, Taylor, have you found what the motivation is? Because you say whipping up a base. I've been saying for a long time that a lot of this recent legislation isn't crafted with original thought in North Dakota. That, that these individuals th- that are on the right side of the Republican Party are not coming up with this, hey, I see a problem, I'm going to solve it. They get a playbook. They they, yeah. get, they get a report card, and, and it comes from groups like ALEC, and it comes uh, from groups like the Koch brothers where they say, look, this, that, 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 that. You introduce this legislation, you pass the test, you get this amount of donation. It literally happens. What we're
1: seeing here is something that history has already taught us. If you study these bills, they're pulling on language that has been used to target the LGBTQ community specifically. We're getting terminology like deviant sexual intercourse or uh, perversion is in the Senate bill as well. Well, what does that mean? Historically speaking, those were terms that were applied to people like me. And so this legislation is a direct target to the queer community of North Dakota.
0: I I want to talk about what that's like uh, in relation to your book. I haven't read your book, uh, Boys in Oil, Growing Up Gay in a Fractured uh, Land. I haven't read that. Uh, There's a lot of things in there, knowing my state the way I do, that I can imagine were in there. Uh, but having the courage to write it, having the courage to talk about it, and using those those skills that God gave you to to basically convey a message through through words and paper. If you look at this, that letter t- that you wrote, that guest essay in the New York Times, can do more harm in terms of this nation's image of North Dakota than than almost anyone possibly can in terms of, hey, we need workers, we need an image, we need to present that that we're welcoming, these type of things. And there's three types of folks, Taylor. there there's There's the individuals that would say to that, good, they don't want you here. They don't want you in this state. They're glad you moved away. Then there's the individuals that just don't give a whatever. Then there's individuals like me and Abby who want to get down to the bottom of why you would never feel welcome here and how we can change that. And I want to talk to you about that a little bit when we come back. I just want to point out something. And this is exactly, I think, what uh, what our guest, uh, Taylor Verby is is getting at. Uh, you know, the, the fact that you want to learn, that it might make you uncomfortable, but you still want to take it in, whether it's listening through a radio station uh, whether it is reading, whether it is, you know, I don't know how you're you're getting your information, but I do know this. One of the individuals that despises me the most in our text club, I mean, d- despise is, is a kind word. It says us North Dakota people don't want these sex and pornography-related books in our schools where our elementary students are there to learn the basics. Um, so... This individual once wrote and said he was never going to listen to this show again. Never going to listen to this show again. Well, he's listening to the show. And he finds us disgusting. He finds us wrong. He, but he's listening to the show. And the reason I bring that up is because that's exactly what Taylor's getting at. You know, he may be uncomfortable, but he's He's learning he's learning what the people that don't think like him think. But Taylor, that's kind of my point and some of what you're getting at with your time in the library.
1: Yeah, part of what libraries did to me is they both showed me that I wasn't alone and the person that I am, and they also challenged received viewpoints. They, the great thing about libraries is they might make you think. You know, and challenge some things that we would call cultural wisdom or things your parents told you or your friends told you. They get you access to information and allow you better to get a whole picture and to come to your own conclusion.
0: So let me ask you this, Taylor. Where do you live? I'm currently living in Salt Lake City, Utah. Could you ever... And Salt Lake City, Utah isn't exactly... The state of Utah, I should say, isn't right. exactly this liberal bastion. Fair?
1: That's correct.
0: Right. Uh, would would they Are they banning books in Utah? The day I arrived in Utah, one of the state's
1: largest public school districts attempted a ban on 52 books. So this is starting to whip up into a fury here as well, as it is in many states around the country.
0: With with as much recon as you've done on this, because of the similarity between this legislation, and that was always the tell for me when I was in the legislature, when the bills were written exactly like each other, just under a different heading or a different sponsor, or a different number, but the bills were the same. Uh, you could tell that they came from a national push, that that was something that drove behind, but what they affected was the state they left behind. And so the reaction that people have had to your essay, the the reaction that people have in regards to the the piece that you had in the New York Times, what was it like?
1: It was incredible. I mean, I've only gotten praised for it. I'm sort of waiting for the other shoe to drop, you know? I mean, people love their public libraries, whether they live in North Dakota or Wyoming or in Queens, New York. And I think part of this is that at the national level, we've been so behind in having this at a large level conversation, at a, at a nationwide level. The New York Times, the reason they published my op-ed is that they've been behind on reporting on this. And so people from an op-ed like mine are seeing that they're not alone in the states where they're living facing library censorship. And so in some ways, what I hope is that this allows people to connect the dots and build strong resistance against this national push to censor our
0: libraries. As a gay man, do you feel you're welcome in North Dakota, your home state?
1: I think I am welcome in certain circles in North Dakota where I'm allowed to be who I am and not uh, viewed as a threat to people, there's there are certain places in North Dakota where it would be very dangerous for me to openly be out. And I'm just saying, you know, being me, I whatever that means to people. I mean, I don't dress in any sort of extreme way, though I wish I did. I, I just am conservative, <laughs> wearing blues and greens. But I. I find in libraries, I'm very welcome in public uh, events where I get to speak about the work that I do. Uh, there are definitely certain places I, I wouldn't go alone in North Dakota, which I hope people listening will take that as a comment mm-hmm. on that. There's work to yeah. do.
0: Well, when we come back, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about whether you can live in North Dakota and help our economy, right after this. Taylor Taylor Burby is an author, Uh, and his book is called uh, Boys in Oil, Growing Up Gay in a Fractured Land. And and his guest uh, essay for the New York Times, which exploded, Uh, people had a chance to read it, take it in. And... Here's, here's why it's upsetting to me, folks, is because you've got some ideal idealists that, that, that now are in power. There's enough of them in the North Dakota legislature where they're defining exactly who North Dakota is, that we're a book-burning, book-banning state, which isn't the North Dakota I grew up in. Uh, people from both sides of the aisle embraced education, embraced libraries, embraced the ability for people to learn and to be who they were, or at least for the most part, uh, people were like that. It's gotten worse. It, it's it's worse now. And you're seeing it in the North Dakota legislature, and that's a reflection of all of that. Taylor wrote about it. He wrote an essay in the New York Times pointing out that North Dakota is becoming a book-banning, book-burning state. And, you know, the, the premise of his, his book, uh, Boys in Oil, Growing Up Gay in a Fractured Land. What Taylor, what made you decide to write that book? What, what is the premise of the book?
1: Well, the reason I wrote it is because that book doesn't exist, Joel. If you go from North Dakota down to Texas and then over to where I live in Salt Lake City and up to Seattle, it's about 15 states, and there's no nonfiction book about being gay in that part of the world. I mean, in North Dakota and the eastern part, you have Melanie Hoffert's book, which I'd recommend called Prairie Silence. But my book.
0: And, and read chapter eight.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> My book uh, explores growing up in a landscape I loved. I, I, I still love the Prairie of North Dakota. I think the golden hour in November, there's nothing better in this country. You encounter a little boy who loves playing outside in the natural landscape and then is growing up realizing That he's different from other boys. Um, Also that I am the product of multiple generations of the fossil fuel industry. All my relatives work in coal, oil, and natural gas. And so there's an environmental theme in there about extractive economies. And then also about being the first person in my family to finish college.
0: I want to share some of the... The text messages with you, Taylor, because I think that this is indicative of people that aren't always heard and don't have the ability to run for the legislature in their life. Right. They they either yeah. don't want to or they, you know, but they're they're part of this group. Uh, somebody said, Joel, tell Taylor he is invited to dinner with my family anytime. I support the LGBTQ community and want them in North Dakota. I'll support also support all books. It is vital for all of us uh, to keep our minds and hearts open to education and learning. Um, th- th- they're there. You know they're there. You're, you're welcome. Melanie Hofford is a friend, albeit I wish i talked to her more. I haven't talked to her in, in quite a while. But the courage that she had to write that book and to talk about my home little area of this state and what it was like to grow up gay. Uh, it, it's just, I'll tell you what, Taylor, there's good people out there yet. There really are. But this can be a vicious, vicious land for someone like you. It really can.
1: Of course, there are good people, Joel. They come out to my book readings. They they come to my creative writing workshops. When I'm back home in North Dakota, Um, I see them at public events. I know this. It's that right now the state legislature has been hijacked by some extreme representatives with a political agenda that seek to control people and to control the conversation. I mean, this is not the political landscape I knew North Dakota to be when I was growing up there in the 90s and early 2000s. And so I'm not picking on North Dakotans writ large. I'm, I'm holding certain North Dakotans accountable for the hateful legislation that they're putting forward in these bills.
0: I, I want to, in, in your next reading, you're coming back to North Dakota soon, aren't you? When are you coming back?
1: I am coming back in March to be reading at one of my favorite bookstores in the state in Fargo in at Zambro's. I'll be there on March 21st, which is a Tuesday.
0: If you hadn't told me where you were going to do your reading, I would have bet a hundred bucks that it was Zambro's and made the money. Just so you know, Taylor. <laughs> yes. and, and, and that isn't, they're welcome to everyone. They understand the power of books and, and what can happen. T- Taylor, what happens if you're uh, in the in the fifth grade, sixth grade in North Dakota, and you know you're gay and and you're sitting there and and you're looking at someone saying that you're a bad person because of it or that something's wrong. Uh, with you because of it and and you're sitting there seeing a legislature that's trying to make sure that you can't communicate you can't talk about it you can't read about it you can't do any of those things and then uh, fast forward even and point out that if your struggles go beyond that that they don't involve being gay but that you're transgender that the next thing you know you're, you're you're really not welcome to even be amongst us i mean what does that say to individuals that are struggling so hard with life that, in many cases, they don't know if they want they want it, they want life anymore.
1: It means you either have to get out as quickly as possible, which presupposes that you have the means to do that, the financial means. Or, as the Trevor Project reports, which keeps a close eye on the mental health landscape of queer youth in this country, uh, you'll have an increased suicidal ideation rate. That is, you'll consider ending your life. Last year was the highest rate. Each year it goes up. Last year, 45% of queer youth had suicidal ideation. So people who are listening, if you know two queer youth, one of them last year thought leaving the plant was a viable option. That number's higher, Joel, amongst queer youth of color, and it's higher still amongst trans youth. Last year, 69% of trans youth had suicidal ideation. And so the North Dakota legislature needs to take seriously what they're doing. You can't say that you're for protecting children when the legislation you are promoting is in fact targeting them and giving them the idea not only that they're not welcome where they live, but that it might be better if they just didn't exist at all let's
0: let's go away from just the vicious hatred of individuals that aren't necessarily like them. But let's go let's go to the sheer economics, because maybe that's a way to connect. Just we don't have workers in this state. We don't have a diversity of population to the point where others want to live here. It's like, look, unless you think that way, you're not welcome there. So it isn't diverse enough to have what could be a bigger, broader community. How much is that noticed nationally? If I were to hold a a job fair, for example, in in New York or Chicago or anything like that and try to get 100 highly intelligent, skilled people and point out the good things that we have going on here and say, come on, come on, let's. Come live with us. I want you to be my neighbor. What reaction do you think I'd get from people?
1: They wouldn't know where you're talking about, Joel. To be quite blunt with you, North Dakota is the least visited state in the country. I mean, I have good friends that still screw up where I'm from. They all think I'm from South Dakota. Or people will regularly say around the country, oh, I've been to the Dakotas. Well, you and I know they're always meaning South Dakota. Um, And so this is a place that where when I was growing up, people would say, oh, people out in the wider world love the North Dakota work ethic and look for it. The reality is people in the wider world don't pay attention to North Dakota. It's why an article like mine is necessary. It's just that it allows North Dakota to be the testing ground for some of the country's worst ideas, Joel. And so part of what I think North Dakotans have to ask themselves, is this what we want to be known for, to be known as a closed-minded place that only you know, allows people to make their living by destroying the landscape of North Dakota? Or could it be a model of what a place could be where everyone is welcome, where we have jobs that aren't? Uh, predicated on boom and bust cycles of the economy. I mean, that would be a North Dakota I would really love to get behind.
0: Well, and uh, in, in you're not going to get there with legislation like this. You're not. One of the big tests here, Taylor, is going to be the re- what the governor does because much of this is going to end up on his desk. Um, and the governor has pushed and forced and talked a lot about the whole diversity of the economic uh, base plane here in the upper Midwest. And, uh, and aside from the sheer viciousness of this legislation, I think it's important as well to just, if, if a guy's going to get them to stop it, the only angle one might be able to take is to point out how devastating this is to the economy, even though it does way worse things than that. And so Taylor none of this gets brought up if you don't if you don't sit there and say I'm writing that essay I'm I'm putting that out there uh again one more time you're coming back to North Dakota to do a reading when
1: March 21st at Zambros in Fargo
0: find find
1: us when you get here would you I will you.
0: okay thank you